Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee because today we are going to be discussing the book of First Samuel. Hello and good morning, faithful listeners. I am so excited that you're here to share a delicious hot cup of coffee or tea with me this morning as we discuss the Bible together. Now, speaking of tea, if you guys didn't sign up for the emails over at P40, you missed out because on Valentine's Day, I sent out a picture of me having a tea party with the stuffed animal that I've had since I was four years old. And uh, the reason I sent that picture out was because it was silly. And I also got that tea set for Valentine's Day and I had to take a picture of it. So I'm using actually the tea set right now, except I am drinking coffee out of the teacup instead of tea. I'm making all of my tea drinking listeners so angry right now. I know it. (laughs) All right, guys, tell me what your favorite tea is. Contact me and let me know your favorite tea. I'd very much like to hear about that. But make sure to grab your cup of tea this morning or your cup of coffee. And let's go ahead and read 1 Samuel 15 verses 12 through 23. I am not going to be giving a recap as to what we talked about on Wednesday. So either make sure to go back and listen to Wednesday's episode so you're all caught up, or just read it in scripture, which is preferable because the Bible is always preferable to a narrative of the Bible. But once again, this is 1 Samuel 15, 12 through 23. I'll be reading at the WEB as usual. Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and Samuel was told, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, turned, passed on, and went down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, You are blessed by Yahweh. I have performed the commandment of Yahweh. Samuel said, Then what does this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of cattle which I hear mean? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the cattle to sacrifice to Yahweh your God. We have utterly destroyed the rest. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stay, and I will tell you what Yahweh said to me last night. He said to him, Say on. Samuel said, Though you were little in your own sight, weren't you made the head of the tribes of Israel? Yahweh anointed you king over Israel. And Yahweh sent you on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then didn't you obey Yahweh's voice, but took the plunder and did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight? Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed Yahweh's voice, and I have gone the way which Yahweh sent me, and I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, the sheep and the cattle, and the best of the devoted things to sacrifice to Yahweh your God in Gilgal. Samuel said, Has Yahweh as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying Yahweh's voice? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as idolatry and teraphim. Because you have rejected Yahweh's word, he has also rejected you from being king. So one thing I noticed about the high priest that I never noticed before was that one of the roles of the high priest was actually to be confrontational. Because the high priest was the mouthpiece of God. God would speak to the high priest and then the high priest would go and tell people what God said. 
And that was why the high priest couldn't just be anybody. He had to be somebody that was willing to speak what God said. And a lot of times people do not like what God has to say. And so now Samuel has heard from God that God has totally rejected King Saul because of this terrible sin that Saul had done. And we talked about that sin on Wednesday, but basically Saul did not obey God in going and destroying all of the Amalekites and also all of the plunder and animals as well. And if you want to hear why God told Saul to do that, check out Wednesday's episode. But because Saul sinned and did not do it because Saul spared King Agag and he also took the best of the cattle that the Amalekites had, Samuel now has to go to Saul and tell him that God has rejected Saul as king. So it says here that Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning and Samuel was told by somebody that Saul had come to Carmel and he set up a monument for himself and then went back to Gilgal. <laughs> so Saul is such an interesting person because when you first encounter Saul, a few chapters before this, Saul is such an insecure person and he never really wanted to be the king at the very beginning of everything. He was like hiding in the baggage because he didn't want to face the people when he first became king. And now suddenly he's like setting up monuments for himself. And personally, I don't think that Saul ever got over his insecurities. I think his insecurities turned into extreme pride because in the last chapter, he was taking credit for the victories that his son had done for him. And uh, he was he was very afraid of people not following him after a while. So his insecurities got so big that now he becomes this extremely prideful person where he doesn't even realize this great sin that he had just committed, right? By not doing what God told him to do and making Israel, God's chosen people, look foolish. And so he sets up this monument for himself as the king in Carmel. And then he goes back to his home base of Gilgal. And I'm sure that Samuel is hearing all this and he's just like, what in the world? So finally, Samuel gets to where Saul was and Saul comes out to greet him and says in verse 13, you are blessed by Yahweh. I have performed the commandment of Yahweh. And this is how prideful Saul has become. He truly believes that he has done the command that God told him to do. So when he comes out to greet Samuel, he's just like, be blessed by Yahweh. Look at how good I am. I totally did everything God told me to do. And so Samuel calls him out on his bullcrap. And he says in verse 14, oh, okay, then what does this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the cattle, which I hear mean? <laughs> Samuel is funny. He, he is so snarky. Like he's a snarky guy. And so he calls Saul out immediately. He's like, really? You, you obeyed God, huh? So what's all this like lowing I'm hearing of all these animals? Where'd all these animals come from? What, is that, what does that mean? And so Saul's like, oh, well, you know, those animals, you know, that I can explain that. He says, the people actually brought those animals. The people did all this. He says, 
They have brought them from the Amalekites. Verse 15, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to Yahweh, your God. We have utterly destroyed the rest. And you guys know, if you've been listening to me for any amount of time where I'm about to go with this, Yahweh, your God, this is just more evidence that Yahweh was never Saul's God. Saul was very good at looking like he was religious, at setting up, you know, altars and and pretending to be pious, having priests around him. But he never actually had a heart for God or a heart for God's will at all. He said that the people brought the best of these animals so that they could sacrifice them to Yahweh Samuel's God. He doesn't say Yahweh, my God. He says Yahweh, your God, speaking to Samuel. And then he says, but we have utterly destroyed the rest. Well, the people only took some of these animals. And the reason they took some of these animals was because they're the best of all of the animals and and they're perfect sacrifices to give to Yahweh, your God. And so I allowed it to happen, but we destroyed everything else. But if you go back up to to verse nine, which is what we read on Wednesday, here's what it says. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep of the cattle and of the fat calves of the lambs and all that was good and were not willing to utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse that they destroyed utterly. So this was a conscious choice that Saul and Saul's men made, meaning that they would have had to pick through all of those animals and been like, oh, this one, you know, has a lame leg. Let's get rid of that one. Oh, you know, this one looks really good. You know, it doesn't have any defects. Perfect. We'll take that one. You know, this one has this problem. We'll kill that one. They had to go through every single animal that the Amalekites had and decide which ones they were going to keep. So this was a conscious choice on their part and on Saul's part to not destroy those animals. And Saul knew exactly what God told him to do. Saul knew that God said to get rid of everything. Don't make Israel look foolish and hypocritical by going and destroying some of the Amalekites to take all of their plunder. That is not what this was about. And that is exactly what Saul did. Verse 16, Samuel tells Saul to shut up. (laughs) Depending on the version you read, it might say, be quiet. The W-E-B says, stay. So that's old fashioned language to say, be quiet or shut up. So Samuel says to Saul, stay. And I will tell you what Yahweh said to me last night. So Saul says to him, say on. Samuel says, though you were little in your sight, weren't you made the head of the tribes of Israel? Yahweh anointed you king over Israel. So first and foremost, Samuel reminds Saul that Saul himself, years ago, when he was first anointed king, he had so many insecurities. Saul felt so much shame over who he was. And Samuel's reminding him of this. Samuel's saying, Saul, you yourself were ashamed of who you were. And yet God, in spite of all of that shame that you had, lifted you up to this high place of honor above every other person in Israel. God gave you that. 
Look at that gift that you've been given and what you have done with it. You felt ashamed of who you are. You were insecure of who you are. He gave you so much blessings and honor among all these people. And look what you did to this gift that God gave you. It says, God said to you, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then didn't you obey Yahweh's voice, but took the plunder and did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight? So Saul then in verse 20 says to Samuel, but I have obeyed Yahweh's voice (laughs) and I have gone the way which Yahweh sent me. And then he says right here, I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. So now Samuel's learning some new information. He didn't even know at this point in time, I don't think, that Saul had spared King Agag, which on Wednesday, I argued that out of everybody of the Amalekites, King Agag deserved to die the most because the king was the leader of everybody. The king made decisions for people. And so since the Amalekites were sinners, as God and Samuel literally call them right here, King Agag was helping the people fall into those sins. And so out of everybody, Agag should have been killed first because he was the king. And yet that is who Saul decided to spare. In fact, Saul and his men had the same exact mindset. Spare the best of the Amalekites. You know, spare the king, King Agag, spare him. He's the best of all of those other Amalekite people. Spare all these good animals and pick through them and, you know, slaughter the rest of them. And that just proves my point even further that the king is very crucial in leading the people. So if Saul had told his people and had shown through his actions to not spare the best, but to just obey God, then the people would have followed suit and not spared the best of the flock. But because Saul himself decided to spare the best of the people, in his opinion, the king of of Amalek, the people followed suit and they started sparing the best of the plunder. And Saul is so arrogant at this point in time, setting up monuments for himself, that he doesn't even care or feel any guilt over what he has done. And then Saul once again makes another excuse, the same excuse, but the people took of the plunder, the sheep and the cattle and the best of the devoted things to sacrifice to Yahweh, your God in Gilgal. So Saul is basically like, look, you know, all I did was I took King Agag. The people took all the plunder. That's their, that's their fault. That's their problem. So he's blaming the people, even though Saul basically did the same thing, but just with human beings instead of plunder and animals. So Samuel says, has Yahweh a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying Yahweh's voice? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen is better than the fat of rams. That brings me to Psalm 51 verses 16 and 17. This is out of the NIV version. God does not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. And that is David actually writing that psalm to God. David, who is about to become the next king of Israel after Saul, David had a heart after God, meaning that 
David worshiped God, cared about the things of God, and understood how to worship God. And David understood what Saul did not understand, that God doesn't desire sacrifices and God doesn't desire works and God doesn't desire a person going through the motions just to quote unquote, please him or check a box in their lives. What God actually desires is obedience and faith and humility. And these verses are some of the best verses to argue against works-based salvation trying to be good or doing good deeds or volunteering, those things cannot save. Those things don't make you right in God's eyes. God desires faith in him. He desires humility and he desires obedience to him. And Saul just didn't get that. So going back to 1 Samuel 15, Samuel explains to Saul that God does not desire sacrifices, if there's no obedience in those sacrifices, he says to obey is better than sacrifice to listen better than the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as idolatry and teraphim. Now, what this means is that anybody who rebels against God or disobeys God's will to instead follow their own will that is actually the same sin as idolatry because it is the practice of self-worship. And even self can be an idol. And Saul clearly is self-worshipping because not only did he disobey God and do whatever he wanted to do, he also set up a monument for himself. He was worshipping himself. And possibly even Saul went into the Amalekite territory and destroyed all of their idols and thought himself like super holy. We do know that Saul in his time as king actually outlawed witchcraft as well. So Saul is doing all these things to make himself appear holy, but yet he is still worshiping idols because he is worshiping himself instead of God. And so we have to be very careful of that as well. I think self-worship is the most easy form of idolatry that all of us can fall into at all of us, including myself. And also it is the most deceptive form of idolatry because it's hard to recognize it when we are worshiping ourselves, because sometimes we can pass it off as, well, we're just doing self-care or, you know, we're, we're only doing this because we need to or something, something like that. It is the most deceptive form of idolatry and certainly the most common form of idolatry, but yet it is in fact idolatry. So Samuel, to conclude, says, because you've rejected Yahweh's word, he has also rejected you from being king. So when we worship ourselves, God rejects that. He rejects it as much as if we are bowing down to an idol and worshiping that. Because what does Psalm 51 say? He desires a broken and contrite heart, meaning a humble spirit. Okay, faithful listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it on your social media platforms and tell people that the Bible Explained podcast exists. Don't forget to check out all the links also listed in the description of this episode, including Seven Weeks Coffee, the delicious coffee brand that supports life in the womb. It's called Seven Weeks Coffee because at seven weeks, a baby is the size of a coffee bean. And I just find that so adorable. So if you appreciate coffee as much as I do, make sure to check them out. Get yourself a good cup of coffee and purchase it from a company that is Christian and that supports Christian values. 
Faithful listeners, I will see you all in the next episode. Happy listening and God bless.